The Blunt Post with Vic. Good morning and welcome to The Blunt Post with Vic. Uh, I am your host, Vic Jaramie, the editor and publisher of The Blunt Post. The Blunt Post with Vic is a show that covers breaking and headline news, offers analysis, commentary, and I interview high-profile public figures. Uh, on each show, I also highlight an exceptional organization, a charity, or even an individual uh, that does great work in the community. And uh, today, after headlines, I have an interview with uh, Congressman Tony Cardenas from California's 29th Congressional District. We're ordering a lot of supplies. We're ordering a lot of, uh, lot of elements that, frankly, we wouldn't be ordering unless it was something like this. But we're ordering a lot of different uh, elements of medical. Well, U.S. now has more than half a million uh, COVID-19 cases. Uh, New York State alone has more cases than any other country. And uh, the U.S. also has the most coronavirus-related death in the world. Uh, yesterday, Dr. Anthony Fauci, who is the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, said, uh, and I quote, earlier coronavirus mitigation measures could have saved lives. There was a lot of pushback about shutting things down back then. And now this is according to Dr. Fauci and what he thinks about White House's COVID-19 response. Very interesting. Once again from The Guardian, there was an article yesterday about Governor Newsom and California and difference in leadership uh, in regards to COVID-19. Uh, California, of course, is the the fifth largest economy in the world, and it's the country's most populous state. And The Guardian said how the coronavirus crisis gave Gavin Newsom his leadership moment. It goes on to say, California governor has often cast himself as a foil to Trump, but even the president has lauded his pandemic response. And that's very true. We know that about uh, Governor Newsom. And uh, those of us that are lucky to live in California really appreciate that. Uh, as far as LA County, um, uh, LA County extended safer at home order until May 15th and issued requirements on face coverings until at least May 15th. So we will see if that too will be extended uh, and when. Here are the latest uh, numbers from Johns Hopkins University. In terms of worldwide coronavirus uh, confirmed cases, so far we have 1,827,284. Worldwide death uh, is at 112,241. Here in the US, we've had an infection uh, number of 542.23. And U.S. death stands at 21,411. Now, at least 2,074 deaths were reported in the U.S. on Friday, which is the largest uh, increase in coronavirus fatalities that the U.S. has seen uh, since the beginning. Uh, 
California uh, has had 20,615 positive cases and 609 deaths. Uh, in LA County, uh, we've had 8,873 confirmed positive and 265 people have died. In terms of worldwide, the top 10 countries with the most uh, uh, COVID-19 positive cases are in this order, uh, US, Spain, Italy, France, Germany, United Kingdom, China, Iran, Turkey, and Belgium. As always, uh, I recommend the websites of the Centers for Disease Control and the World Health Organization for the most accurate and up-to-date numbers. And uh, those are cdc.gov and who.int. Let's get blunt. Let's get blunt. Well, it's time to get blunt. I'm going to tell you how I feel about Senator Sanders dropping out of the presidential race. I like uh, Vice President Joe Biden, and I support him, and I will vote for him. But to be honest, I was a um, little sad to hear that um, Bernie Sanders dropped out of the race. He, he is definitely a visionary, and every time I listened to him, I couldn't help but to think about uh, the two countries, Norway and Denmark, that uh, every year in two independent surveys come, on, come up on top for the happiest people in the world, as well as, more importantly, the highest standards of living. And Senator Sanders' vision and ideas uh, always remind me of the Scandinavian countries um, whose people are really taken care of for, you know, from education to healthcare, uh, vacation and standards of living and such. And uh, I, I don't see why the, the United States of America, the most powerful and the wealthiest country in the world, can't have something similar. Of course, it'll take a lot of time and uh, progress can be slow. However, um, Senator Sanders is definitely a visionary in that, and it was sad for me to see that he is dropping out. Uh, I am hopeful, though, um, since he's already made a huge impact in this uh, presidential race, as well as the last one, and he is pledged to work with uh, Vice President Joe Biden on a lot of the progressive ideas, and I hope that we all rally and we, you know, we push and, uh, you know, make sure that that progressive ideas and a different type of government uh, is available to us, at least a little bit more so than before as we go forward. And that we're not afraid to be uh, progressives and we are really uh, proud of that. So uh, let's get blunt about that. Let's get blunt. Well, I'm happy to bring you my interview with Congressman Tony Cardenas. Uh, Representative Cardenas was first elected to the U.S. House of Representatives in 2013 and represents California's 29th district, which is in the San Fernando Valley. The congressman sits on the prestigious House Committee on Energy and Commerce. 
He has worked on and authored legislation to lower prescription drug prices, protect American consumers, combat climate change, and ensure that everyone has access to affordable, quality health care. Let's take a listen. Congressman, it's a uh, you know, no matter how much you know research we do when we look at CDC's site and World Health Organization and the news and such, it's a different perspective for you as a congressman who is doing the, the legwork um, and you have a much broader view. I just want to see or I want to hear your perspective as to where we are with COVID-19. Uh, since everything changes so rapidly, we can just focus on today. Uh, thank you, Vic. Uh, it's a great opportunity for me to this uh, dialogue with you about what's going on in today's world and, and right here in our community of Los Angeles. And uh, le- let me tell you, I, I'm a person just like anybody else. My mother-in-law is 77 years old. I, I love her. She's amazing. Uh, she lives with us here in our home, but she's a cancer survivor. So she's a perfect example of somebody who needs to stay away from uh, being affected by COVID-19 staying away from anybody who has been affected by COVID-19 because if she were to contract this, she would be in big, big, big trouble uh, just because of her age and because of her her immune uh, system. So to me, first and foremost, I'm a person, but yet I'm a congressman. So I get to view things from the vantage point of being a family member, but also being an elected leader for this country. And we passed three bills to try to attack and, and, and try to solve as many of the problems as we can on behalf of the American people. And one of the things that I got to say is that we are praying and hoping that this uh, Trump administration actually gets on track so that we can return to being the light for the world and the example for the world and the, the country that does things not only well for our citizens, but also makes an example and supports the rest of the world as well. So that being the case, uh, in Congress, we just passed three bills, but the most talked about bill is the one that was just over $2 trillion with a T. And uh, a lot of that had to do with making sure that individual households, individual workers get uh, at least a $1,200 check to help them get by and pay some bills and put food on the table. In addition to that, it had over $360 billion uh, for the Small Business Administration so we can get those small businesses, those employers who are uh, employing approximately 50% of the American families in America work in a small business to make sure that they don't go out of business forever so that they can actually help make sure that their workers, who many of them who've been laid off, many of them who've been furloughed, uh, can actually put food on the table and then they can help that business when they go back to work, get back to work. Um, so two main components that we're focus, focusing on, Dick, as policymakers in Washington, and it's the health uh, of, and the well-being of American uh, Americans here in this country, but also at the same time making sure that the economic viability of our communities across the country can get back on their feet as quickly as possible because every community has been affected. I'll give you one uh, stark example. Right here in Los Angeles, Many of us are fortunate and blessed to go out to eat. Right now, 99% of the restaurants are closed, and only a small percentage are actually doing takeout. I've talked to restaurateurs, and they're saying, look, Tony, um, uh, I had you know X number of people working for me. Let's just say they had 50 people working for them. 
now they only have five people working for them and because they're only doing takeout. And the main thing is for them to make sure that at least a handful of their, their workers don't go hungry themselves so that they can actually bring a little bit of money back to their family, even though the other 40, not 45 workers, the business just cannot sustain them right now when they are not serving customers like they were accustomed to. So that's one example of the devastating uh, effects of this COVID-19, of this world pandemic right here in our community of Los Angeles. Absolutely. Yeah, well said. Um, that was a lot of information, great information, very dense. Um, so I want to sort of focus on a few things you, you mentioned. Sure. Uh, certainly, you know, let me just say, I'm, I feel very blessed to be in California and to be a resident of California, uh, just in general, but especially now because our leadership here is really exceptional, um, you included. As far as the, you know, going back to... <laughs> I just have to say, your point about hoping that the Trump administration will come come back and um, sort of take ownership, or I'm paraphrasing, that's very optimistic. Um, I, I admire that. It just seems like at every turn, every day, we are confronted with um, a reality that's just not uh, supportive of the American people, at least not all Americans. But I do know that it was thanks to... Um, members of Congress like yourself and other Democratic uh, members of Congress, that the, the 1200 was made possible and that the Democratic caucus or Democratic Party pushed for uh, more aid for average Americans, working yes. Americans, than corporations and the Fortune 500s and such. The point about the 1200, the one time, you know, we especially in LA, I mean, it's really not enough no matter where you live, but you're definitely not in, not in California. Is something being done for perhaps another bill that will sort of continue after that? Or is it, are we well, just set on 1200? Well, oh, look, one of the things I want to make clear to your listeners is just because the members of Congress are spread out around the country back in our districts, working uh, from home, working, um, uh, um, you know, with our teams who are working from home, we're working and we're already working on bill number four and language that it's going to go into bill number five, et cetera, because we're not done um, fixing the things that need to be fixed, uh, taking the responsibility that the federal government needs to do. Let me give an example. The $1,200 checks, uh, Maxine Waters, representative from Los Angeles, she was at the, at the front of those negotiations pushing for $2,000 per, per person. She was also pushing for more than the $600 that ended up in the final bill per week, uh, potentially $600 per week for up to several months for uh, unemployment. Uh, programs on top of what the states are doing. So these are the kinds of things that we're trying to get done at the federal level. We're not saying this is the federal responsibility states, you have your responsibility. We are coming over the top to make sure that we're complementing and implementing our resources that people sent to Washington, their tax dollars, to come back into their communities and back into their homes so they can put food on the table and keep a roof over their head. So these are the kinds of things that we're continuing to work on. Where I just got off the phone with a very famous company right now, Abbott, that actually has a test uh, a process that you can go to your doctor. And if they have one of the 18,000 machines that are already uh, deployed on the country, luckily they were already in various communities, 
that you can actually get the results in five to 15 minutes instead of waiting three, four, five, 10 days to get your results. I just got off the phone with them and they, we had to ask them tough questions. And one of the things is this administration is putting out bad information about the, the uh, 50,000 um, units that they're pushing out across America um, every day to get into the hands of those physicians, those lab uh, uh, technicians, so that they can actually get your results within minutes. So that's already happening. But what this administration misspoke, and they still haven't clarified for the American people, this administration tried to claim that of about a million of those tests that already have gone out, that only about 88,000 have actually gotten done. So let me correct for the record. What this administration misspoke was that 88,000 of those tests actually went back to Abbott and reported back to Abbott the results of the test. There have been way more than 88,000 tests, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of tests that actually took place where the actual patient and the doctor actually discussed the results. But it was only 88,000 that some of those uh, uh, facilities across the country actually reported back Abbott the results of their tests. So you get the difference? This administration misinformed the American people, get, scared them very much to think that the help that's on the way that actually is happening and we need more help is actually doing worse than it really is. So let me correct the record. 88,000 tests did take place and only 88,000 got reported back to Abbott. But hundreds of thousands of tests have already been taken. People got the results within minutes. It's just that that particular laboratory didn't, they decided for whatever reason, not to give the information back to Abbott Laboratories, but they did in fact, the doctor did in fact, get the results to the patient in real time in, in Pacoima, in, you know, in Denver, in, you know, Chicago, all over the country. So okay. that's the kind of thing that this administration needs to do, do a better job of. They're going out there, misinforming, saying things that aren't true, sometimes over-speaking and making it look rosier than it really is, and sometimes scaring people half to death and telling them things that, that aren't true, what this administration needs to do, they need to do a better job of informing the American people. Also, at the same time, what this administration is forcing Congress to do is we're having to write the language more and more specific about exactly what this administration can and cannot do with the money that we're putting in their hands. The way our government works in the United States of America is simply this. The president, the White House, and his administration, they actually run the day-to-day -day operations of everything that happens in the federal government. Congress, we write the laws and the language, and we actually put the taxpayer money in the hands of the federal departments. And then the administration, the president, and the people that he appoints, the people that he controls, they decide how to use that money every single day. That's how our government works. And this administration is literally falling on their face every single day. We're here trying to support mm -hmm. them any way that we can. But one of the biggest problems is that they refuse to communicate with us and tell us and tell the American people what's really going on. Right. As you said, it's there are so many uh, separate issues that that seem to be in chaos. It's life and death. The, the, the truth getting out to the American people, the American people knowing what's going on, our hospitals and first responders getting the protective equipment that they deserve to get. These things need to happen every single day. And it's the administration who's in charge of the day-to-day -day operations 
to help streamline everything. One of the things that I just uh, found out from more than one, uh, you know, third-party organizations, they're saying that California is the example of getting things done right, making sure that the yeah. equipment gets out as quickly and as efficiently as possible, making sure that communication is happening at every level. So our governor and our infrastructure in Sacramento, in our state capital, and all of the professionals, healthcare professionals, etc., they're doing an amazing job. And they're yes. an example that other states are being told, you need to talk to the people in California so that you can actually start emulating that in Texas, in, in, in Florida, in other states. And California is an open book. We're more than happy to share any positive outcomes, anything that we've learned from how to handle this pandemic. And we're more than willing to share that with others. I just wish this administration would be, have that attitude. Yeah, you and everyone else, I think, you know, as I said, we're, we are lucky to be in California because with leaderships of yourself, um, I interviewed Congresswoman Maxine Waters a couple of weeks ago and, and Congressman Adam Schiff about a week ago and with uh, Governor Newsom and uh, Mayor Garcetti. We are definitely in good hands, but nationally there seems to be so much chaos in the White House where everything, um, pretty much everything changes on a daily basis. There's really no confidence. Um, people have no confidence that the White House has this, has any kind of a cohesive plan and it's being done fairly uh, and all Americans are being hurt. It just, um, there is uh, misinformation and confusion as to who is getting any of the national stockpile. You know, we have Jared Kushner saying things like, that is our stockpile. I'm not sure what that exactly means in terms of funding and distribution of, uh, of uh, protective gear. Um, there are rumors of certain states uh, getting, getting all of this um, per capita much bigger numbers than others, um, maybe strategically for the election. There's really no confidence. It just seems like um, a state of chaos. And I know that Look, many of us, many of us uh, are, are putting, trying everything that we can to put our egos in our pocket and just try to do what it takes to get the job done. I just got off of yeah. a phone call um, with where I invited Dr. Ruiz, one of my colleagues from Southern California, to be on that call because he's an emergency room physician and we're talking about health care. And also, I, I asked the Chairman Pallone, Chairman of the Energy and Commerce Committee, where much and much of the work that went in the $2 trillion bill came through our committee, the Energy and Commerce Committee. I was invited to talk to Abbott Laboratories about many things that have to do with the health and well-being of Americans and, and what's going on with these tests, good, bad, or otherwise. But I wanted to make sure I brought other people to the conversation to make sure that we ask better questions, we're better informed, so that we can make better policy to help America move forward. So uh, I just wish that this administration would do that. This administration seems to be more focused on uh, the elections in November instead of focusing on saving lives today, making sure that we work together, making sure that it doesn't matter if it's a Republican or a Democrat or an independent, that we actually are here uh, working hand in hand, making sure that we move America forward, saving lives, and also making sure that we get out of this sooner than later so that the economy can get back 
uh, in order, and then people can actually go back to work and then actually feed their families. Those are the two main things that needs to be our focus every single day. Forget about the November election. That's for some other day. Right now, every single day, lives are at stake. And, and our economy, every day that our economy is shut down, we are taking a step backward. And it's going to be harder for us to come back and for people to feed their families, to clothe their children, to put food on the table. And we're going to we're going to get out of this. OK, we're going to get out of this. But everything that we do every single day today is going to be less pain tomorrow. Absolutely. Well said. So, Congressman, I, I wanted to shift a little bit. Um, it seems like, you know, when I was sort of learning a little bit more about uh, what you've been doing and reading up, it just seems like so many of your bills and projects and initiatives um, are so connected to COVID, such as your a bill that's designed to direct the Secretary of Health and Human uh, Services to establish a task force to conduct a study on phys- uh, physician shortages. Um, yes, exactly. It, it just seems See, so apropos. Thank you, Vic. There's so many things that are, that thank God as Americans, we take a lot of things for granted. And one of the things we take for granted is that we have a pretty darn good healthcare system. Can it get better? Absolutely. But here in this country, we have people who've been trained as doctors, actually practice as doctors for many, many years, and they find themselves moving to the United States. And right now, they're driving a cab, or they're actually uh, sweeping floors or what have you, when they actually are a doctor and we have a doctor shortage right here in america so what i'd like to see happen is that the federal government this administration actually streamlined the ability for somebody to actually prove to us that they can actually practice medicine to a certain degree maybe for example you have somebody who's a doctor and maybe they 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 don't practice as a doctor here but they can actually practice to assist a doctor and work side by side with an american doctor to make sure that we help two patients instead of one because right now we have a doctor shortage in america we have a healthcare professional shortage and there are a lot of healthcare professionals who right now today are badly needed and they are just sitting on the sidelines of wanting to help but our government won't let them yeah absolutely that makes total sense um as well as um your other initiative which is um to require secretary of health and human resources uh human services i should say uh, through the National Disaster Medical System to provide for certain laboratory reimbursement for diagnostic testing for COVID-19 for uh, uninsured individuals, which makes total sense. Absolutely. That, that's really important. Let me give you an example of a, a very a likely uninsured individual in America that you, Vic, and I depend on, and, and God bless them, because they're hard, hard-working people right here in America people who are farm workers, the place on the planet that grows more food for human consumption is right here, just a couple hundred miles down the road in the Central Valley of California. Right. Most of those people there who are working in those fields can't utilize the federal government dollars to actually see a doctor. But the least, the least that we can do, the least that we can do is help them to get tested so that they can determine whether or not they have COVID-19 or not, so that they can go back to work safely for their life and for your life, Vic, and for my life, making sure that there's food on the t- at, at the supermarket for us to buy so that we can actually eat today and tomorrow. So that's something that I think is very important. We need to get past this 
this Trump idea that only American citizens should be treated with respect and with dignity. Here in the United States of America, we should be treating every single human being with respect and dignity. And if somebody's actually working in the fields of California or anywhere in this great nation to help free American families, they deserve the dignity of being able to get tested and not have to say, I can't get tested because I don't have the $70 or $100 that they're going to charge me to do it. They should be able to get tested to make sure that they're safe and to make sure that the people that are depending on them doing the work of pick our food and grow our food are safe as well. Congressman, you're also making sure that uh, the human rights of immigrants, uh, asylum seekers are not uh, forgotten in all of this and that they are taken care of and their health is taken care of as we are going through uh, a, a global pandemic that affects all of us, regardless of your uh, citizenship status or your whether you're documented or not. Uh, will you elaborate on that, please? Well, the, the thing is, the United States of America has always been the, the shining country in the world, the country of hope, the country that treats people with dignity and respect. And ever since Donald Trump got elected, he's been turning a dark page on this country and the world of trying to get American citizens to believe that people who seek asylum, people who are fleeing for their lives, people who are starving and dying in other parts of the world should have an opportunity to go to a safer place. And there's never been, over the last 80 years, a safer place on the planet for people to come to. And another thing as well, the saying that this our country is, is, is based on immigration, that this country is a country of immigrants, is a true, true, true story. My parents came to this country from another country. My parents didn't have schools in their town. Right here in Pacoima, where I grew up, I had an elementary school, a middle school, and a high school to go to. And I am so, so blessed to have born, been born here. And my parents, who came from another country, they love the United States of America. They're not with us anymore, but believe me, they love the United States of America so much that they made this their home. And they made sure that their 11 children never once, never once made it in the backseat of a police car. Why? Because they respect their community. They wanted to make sure that their American children showed respect for their country and made sure that we actually got an education and did the best we could with it. I, I was an engineer at one time. I'm very proud to get the degree that I received at UC Santa Barbara. Proud to work for Hewlett Packard for a while as an engineer. Proud to come home to Pacoima and open up my own uh, business that I ran for a while. But I'm also equally proud that, that my community has blessed me to be an elected official for six years as a state assemblyman, 10 years as a city councilman, and now going on uh, eight years in the United States Congress. And what have I done with that? I've spoken English. I've spoken Spanish to everybody who needs my help. I hire people who are dedicated to this community and treats every single person with respect and dignity. We don't ask people when they call my office, do you have papers? We don't ask people if you're an American citizen. We say, thank you for calling us. We're here to help you. How can I help you? That's the kind of spirit that the United States of America needs to get back to. That's the kind of spirit that this White House, this President Trump, and Stephen Miller and his advisors are trying to move us away from. And it is a shame that this White House, this President Trump, 
and Stephen Miller, his number one advisor, and the people that he tries to get out there to try to implement policy. It puts children in cages to get, has people who are suffering from COVID-19 to remain in a cage. And one thing I also want to say about that, Vic, when I think about the people in cages, I also think about the people who are actually working in that facility, our American citizens who are working for Border Patrol, our American citizens who are working for ICE. They're being put in danger as well. So when bad policy hurts immigrants, that bad policy hurts American citizens as well. And it's a shame that this president turns a blind eye to American citizens' health, especially those who are, are working for our federal government. You know, it's, um, it's sad that history repeats itself and your generations forget what their ancestors had to go through uh, between 1880 and 1920 during the uh, mass immigration rush from mostly Eastern Europe um, and Southern Europe, like Italy, Sicily, uh, Russia, Poland, as well as Puerto Rico, a lot of the newer immigrants landing uh, in on the East Coast uh, were discriminated. And, um, you know, some of the same justifications for their discrimination is now being used for uh, newer immigrants and uh, especially from the right uh, it's um it's it's just uh, kind of sad watching that happen again this administration is picking and choosing who they want to discriminate against right and uh, it, it's it's sad and unfortunate that that's that's what's going on with this administration and just understand this big um, what makes no sense whatsoever since 9-11 and, and God bless the families that were affected and the over 2,000 lives that were lost I hope and pray that we don't see that ever in America or anywhere else in the world but ever since 9-11 they, they, they all of a sudden uh, under the George W. Bush administration they chose to to focus on the southern border of the United States instead of the northern border of the United States. They chose to focus on the border between the United States and Mexico instead of fo focusing on both borders, that border and the border between Canada and the United States. And when 9-11 occurred, not one person, not one person has been traced as coming across our southern border to come and attack the United States. Right. Yet some of those individuals actually crossed the northern border. Right. So it's not lost on me that um, some administrations choose to treat some immigrants different than others. And I look at it differently. I look at it as the safety of the American people, the safety of our country first, but at the same time, trying to respect and appreciate that human beings, American citizens and non-American citizens, need to be treated with equality and need to be treated with respect and dignity. And yes, sometimes there are people who are criminals and we need to deal with them as such, but we should not take a three-year-old child and put them in a cage and treat them like a criminal because they're literally crying to come to a country that can actually give them the dignity and respect of food, of being able to work for a living, and to be able to be what they can be by getting a real education. These are the simple things that any and all human beings deserve. And there was a time in the United States of America where when people wanted those basic things, they could come to the United States, work hard, play by the rules, and actually be part of the fabric of this great country. But right now, it's a dark time with this Trump administration that is actually treating some immigrants completely different than they're treating other immigrants. Instead of focusing on the safety 
of our uh, American citizens, instead of focusing on strengthening our economy, instead of focusing on embracing people who otherwise would just be so appreciative and blessed to be part of our great nation. Congressman, if I may change topics for just briefly, um, this is going to be the first uh, anniversary of the Armenian Genocide after both the House and the Senate passed the Armenian Genocide Resolution Act, uh, something that you also championed. So I wanted to thank you for that. Um, And it's a little sad that we can't pause uh, and really acknowledge what happened in November and December, um, both in the House of Representatives and the Senate. And, um, you know, this might be a redundant question, but, you know, how do you reflect back on on this milestone? Well, we have it. look, when you look at the Armenian Genocide, which did happen, and about one and a half million Armenians were killed by the Ottoman Empire, it's, it's really important for people to understand that we need to look at the truth, we need to call out the truth and admit the truth so that human beings across the world and here in America recognize that a genocide should never happen to one person, much less one and a half million people or more. It's important for us to recognize that as leaders in the world, as a country that should be exuding leadership. We need to recognize the truth and we need to set politics aside and we need to help the healing happen. Healing of the people in the world today, healing in Turkey, healing of the Armenians uh, around the world so that they can understand that the world respects and appreciates that we're all human beings and that we all have a history. And whether our history was that we were affected by people trying to commit genocide on us just because of who we are, that that needs to be uh, open to the public and that we need to be honest about that. One thing that I want to say about this is, is I was very fortunate that when I was in the state legislature, I was uh, serving with Adam Schiff, who's a representative right here in the San Fernando Valley and, and right. part of Los Angeles. We serendipitously happen to be serving together in the state legislature. We actually have a bill that's named the Schiff Cardenas Act, which doesn't have to do with the Armenian genocide. So we have a history together. But I was so happy to support the, the bill in the state legislature in California to recognize uh, openly the Armenian genocide. And then also Adam Schiff is a leader now in, in Washington. And now I'm able to serve with Adam Schiff in the House of Representatives. So I just want to give a shout out to Adam Schiff for always being there for every community mm-hmm. and also carrying the mantle to make sure that we do not let um, uh, lies prevail and make sure that the truth prevails that the Armenian genocide did in fact happen and that atrocity, it was real. It is real in the hearts and in the minds of Armenians and people need to recognize it. So so it's my pleasure to do that. And to me, it's just one of the many, many things that we'll continue to do. Uh, um, no matter what's going on in the world, we need to be consistent and we're gonna do this again next year and keep uh, recognizing and making the world understand that, that the Armenian genocide is something to be recognized for, for the truth that it is and that it should never ever happen to any people ever again. For sure, a shout out to Congressman Schiff, um, another local uh, congressman and definitely one of our favorites. Um, I also wanted to bring up uh, Pride and Pride Month, which is uh, June, 
you are a member of the LGBT Equality Caucus, and you have been a staunch supporter of the queer community. And uh, so I just wanted to see what you'd like to share as we approach uh, Pride Month. Well, first of all, uh, you know, people are going to be celebrating uh, uh, Pride Month um, in spirit, in our hearts, and sure. virtually, of course. And uh, also at the same time, it's important for, once again, for everybody to understand that we should never label somebody as other. We should never treat somebody as something else. We should always treat everybody as equals. And who a person chooses to love, who a person chooses to be, um, and what, what gender they want to recognize as who they are is something that should be appreciated and respected and also something that can and should be celebrated. If somebody wants to celebrate who they are, they should be able to do that openly without fear of reprisal, without fear of judgment. And to me, uh, we're, we're, getting, we're getting to a better world. It's imperfect. And there are countries that are where someone's life is still in danger if the community finds out that they're part of the LGBTQ community. And that's something that, that we need to all work toward and all recognize that that needs to end. And it needs to end as quickly as possible. Uh, before we wrap, uh, Congressman, I'd like to um, give you the opportunity to add whatever you'd like to share. Maybe I didn't ask a question that I should have. Uh, anything that you'd like to uh, share with our listeners? Many of us in the United States Congress are trying to make sure that we do everything that we can to put uh, um, as much money into directly into the pockets of, of working Americans. And we want to make sure that we are funding hospitals and protective gear and making sure that our first responders are on the front lines, that they're actually getting everything that they need to make sure that they keep us safe and keep themselves safe. We're also making sure that we're expanding all the federal programs like uh, Medi-Cal, et cetera, Medicaid, Medicare, to make sure that every single person gets as much support and help that they need. We're impacted by COVID-19. COVID-19 was here before this president called it a hoax. COVID-19 was here in the United States. Even when the president was saying everything's going to be okay, nobody's really going to die from this. When the president said, oops, I didn't even know people died from the flu. Hopefully, this president is learning as quickly as possible that this is real. But I know that Congress is doing everything that we can to make sure that we make better laws, put more money back into every community so that families, individuals, working families, businesses can eventually get back to work and we will get past this. So, Vic, uh, thank you so much for the opportunity to, to talk with you and to share some some thoughts about what we're going through and how things are going to get better. So thank you, Vic, for, for offering this opportunity to, to dialogue with you. Well, Congressman Cardenas, it should be me thanking you for taking the time to talk to me and to our listeners in this uh, very um, uncertain and busy a time for all of us, but certainly for you. So I really appreciate it and want to thank you. Take care, Vic. Look forward to talking to you soon. Well, I, I hope you enjoyed that uh, interview with Congressman Tony Cardenas, who represents uh, part of the San Fernando Valley right here in Southern California. You're listening to The Blunt Post with Vic. The Blunt Post with Vic. For the organization to feature on today's show, I picked Doctors Without Borders. Uh, 
I have been aware of them and have read about them um, in years past, but I recently read a couple of articles about the work that they're doing in the midst of this uh, pandemic and wanted to feature them on today's show. So I'll read you a bit about what they do. Uh, Doctors Without Borders teams respond to emergencies and provide life-saving medical care in more than 70 countries around the world. When disasters strike, when conflicts flare, when epidemics spread, they are on the ground providing urgent medical care for the people who need them most. As an independent, impartial, and neutral organization, they go, many, they go where many others can't or won't. They also speak out to protect the lives and health of their patients. I looked up their numbers, 88% of the funding that they get goes to programs. They go directly to the programs that they offer. 1% goes to management and general um, needs. And 11% goes to fundraising. And 88% is, is a very high number for nonprofits. So it's very impressive. If you want to know more or if you'd like to support them, you can go to their website, doctorswithoutborders.org. Again, doctorswithoutborders.org. You may say I'm a dreamer 
But I'm not the only one I hope someday you'll join us And the world will be as For today's quote, um, Senator Bernie Sanders, uh, of course, uh, gave us one of the best quotes recently when he suspended his presidential campaign. He said, together, standing united, we will go forward to defeat Donald Trump, the most dangerous president in modern American history. Well said, Senator. Before we go, I'd like to thank my producer, Ricky Herrera. Thank you for joining me today for another episode of The Blunt Post with Vic. Tune in next Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for another show. Uh, For more information, you can visit thebluntpost.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Vic Jarami. Yes, both Instagram and Twitter are at Vic Jarami. Have a safe, healthy, and successful week. The Blunt Post with Vic.